TED Audio Collective. Thanks for listening to TED Tech. I'm Simone Ross, the tech curator here. How will artificial intelligence change our world? Last year, AI expert and former head of Google China, Kai-Fu Li, and Stanley Chen, one of China's top science fiction talents, co-wrote a book to explore just that. It's called AI 2041, 10 Visions for the Future. Each chapter is an imaginative, creative story, accompanied by an analysis of the tech and an explanation of why such science fiction might actually be plausible. Stories of separated twins who have their own AI companions, or lovers who have never met over 20 years of pandemic living, with each story offering a unique framework to think about what our future could look like. I interviewed Kai-Fu and Stanley at a TED membership event in 2021. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is a lot of things. Odoo is award-winning management software. Odoo is total control of your entire company in one place. Odoo is a suite of fully integrated applications for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. Basically, Odoo is what your business needs to succeed. So if you're ready to get more done in less time, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. Odoo, business management made simple. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok, and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. 
So today's event featuring technologist and AI expert, Dr. Kai-Fu Lee, and science fiction writer, Stanley Chan. They are co-authors of the new book, AI 2041, 10 Visions for Our Future, which will be released here in the US on September 14th. Kai-Fu, Stanley, thank you both so much for joining us. Kai-Fu, I'm going to start with you. Um, why write this book together? Well, it is my belief that AI is the most important technology uh, for mankind in the history of mankind. Uh, and it's important for everyone to really understand it, its implications and challenges. But just reading technology descriptions, such as the ones I have written as a technologist and investor, is just not reachable to everyone. And I think it's so important that if there is a way to make the storytelling really interesting and engaging and even entertaining, uh, then more people can access it and can kind of see where the future holds. So with that idea in mind, uh, I talked to Stanley about co-authoring the book with him writing the stories. And that's what hopefully will draw a lot more people to it. Wonderful. And Stanley, um, I believe part of the process was you wrote the story first and then Kai-Fu would write the accompanying sort of explanation. Did that constrain your imagination or your creativity in any way, knowing that there had to be an explanation of how the technology would actually work? I'll say the process is not exactly like what you imagine. So I think both Kai-Fu and I, we build up the roadmap together. We'll discuss in depth like how AI technology will evolve over the next 20 years and which uh, points of technology we should package and put into different stories. And then I come up with some directions attached to each story and then we will discuss um, back and forth. And then I um, get down to write a story and then Kaifu will write a tech analysis accordingly. So I think from the very beginning, from scratch, we are collaborating very close. And I don't think it will restrict uh, my imagination, but the other way around, it triggers and in inspire a lot of my imagination based on the realistic facts of AI technologies. I used to work uh, by myself, so I can do whatever I, I love. But now it seems like the conversation and interaction really brings some chemistry into the story. It's really like dancing. Right. So, so a Stanley and Kaifu dancing duet is, is what we have here. Great. So I'd like to understand a little bit, um, Kaifu, from you. You know, we've been talking about the potential of AI for such a long time now you know, decades even. And um, what's different now? Well, you know, I know that more than everyone else because I did my PhD uh, in 1988. And then I worked for Apple, Microsoft, Google. My CEO always asked me, when will AI be real? And that's really just happened in the last five years. If we look at how much progress has been made to date, this is not going to 2041. This is just to date. Think about uh, AlphaGo, AlphaGo Zero, uh, AlphaFold, uh, GPT-3, autonomous vehicles, uh, the use of AI in all internet companies, the use of AI in financial applications, um, and all the robots that's working and all the 
uh, RPA technologies that's um, displacing uh, white-collar work is really been blossoming in the last five years. And, and I think that is just the beginning for, for much more is to come in the next 20. So our future is finally here. Um, we have some questions from the audience. So this one is from Estefania. Do you think there's a limit to AI since it's a human creation or will it reach a point of self-development? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that first. So um, AI actually uh, is not completely programmed. It's programmed to have a goal. It's programmed to have an architecture, but then it learns by itself on more data. And it, the more data that's fed, as long as you have enough processor, the better it gets. And that is what has enabled the huge progress in the last five years. It's not just smart people inventing new algorithms to solve all these problems, but it's people framing it in a certain way and then letting the machine learn for itself. So the self-organization, self-learning, and the fact that it gets better with every 10 times increase in data, it gets better. That is the amazing and sometimes scary thing about AI. Now, about AI's ability to self-program, uh, I don't doubt that will happen to some extent. But so far, AI still requires a certain level of direction from a programmer. And then it will learn under the architecture set out by the programmer. So in the context of the book AI 2041, I think you will see AI that is uh, highly intelligent, uh, very interactive, uh, gets better than you think on a lot of capabilities, and it keeps growing. But it's not growing as many people would assume in previous science fiction that it becomes a superset of humans, but rather it grows in many directions on many things we cannot do. But humans still maintain you know, our soul, our creativity, our ability to love. And, and that, that is, I think, something that I don't see replacing by AI in the next 20 years. So, so we will sort of maintain our humanity and, and we won't be aged out by the AI. Stanley, do you have um, some thoughts on that? So I think it all depends on the three key factors like computation power, like the algorithm, and also I think the data. So as Kaifu mentioned, like uh, right now, I couldn't see that like the singularity point will coming over the next 20 years. But as a science fiction writer, I'm pretty looking forward to that day. Even maybe it will somehow like conquer the human beings. Okay, conquering human beings. That's, that sounds a little scary. Um, <laughs> okay, another question from, from the audience. This one from Midan. Um, I believe this is um, directed to Kaifu. In a recent interview with Peter Diamandis, you were talking about longevity and 150 years lifespan. How do you reconcile this prediction based on science and tech advancement with the reality of ever-increasing prevalence of chronic diseases at a decreasing age onset? Okay, uh, I, I don't think I quite made a 150-year projection. Peter may have. I'm a strong believer in that uh, AI will collect, uh, will use a lot of data much more than medical doctors and scientists have ever been able to collect, including our genetic sequencing, 
our um, MRI and scans and the full blood tests with all the markers. And with all that data coming in from a large number of people, it will be able to compare any individual to a prototypical healthy person and measure the gap and figure out ways to improve whether it is sleep or reducing stress or eating better or nutrients or medicine uh, or uh, exercising. Uh, That is something that is not so far off. I am actually personally uh, experimenting with the company we invested in. I have been collecting all of my data extensively and for the past year, and I've been measuring my uh, my blood uh, for now uh, against uh, people who are at my age and five years younger, 10 years younger, five years older, et cetera. And um, uh, it's given me very sensible advice. Now, with a human doctor uh, interpreting the AI output, of course, and telling me, okay, you're really not exercising enough. We should not think of aging as the inevitable, irreversible reality. Uh, we can't live forever. Our body has a you know, certain expiration date. Uh, but um, uh, I, I think there are many ways to uh, make ourselves healthier. It's, not, it's also people say, oh, I don't want to live forever. I'll be miserable. I'll be sick. The whole idea is not longevity for longevity's sake, but it's how to get you to be younger, more energetic, and more healthier. And, and that's correlated with living longer. So I believe this, this will happen. And um, uh, I, I don't know how long we can extend our age. So there's no reason in the next 20 years, we can't be in the uh, mid-high 80s. In another 20 years, maybe in the 90s, even up to 100. That's definitely uh, imaginable based on what I have uh, experienced. And, and the gap that I think remains to make us healthy uh, in a precision medicine kind of way that just hasn't, we just haven't collected all the data. We're in the health wise, we're in the Yahoo days, right? Yahoo <laughs> days of the internet. That's where we're at. We haven't yet uh, discovered Google, Facebook and all the rest. So we're just collecting the data. And I think the best is yet to come. I love that we're in the Yahoo days. Um, Another question from the audience. So while we're talking about improving things, um, this one from Monica, what's the impact of AI for education? So I I believe uh, if you look at all the industries, education is one that has changed the least over the last hundred years, right? The way we communicate by Zoom, entertain ourselves with you know iPhones and VR, and work uh, working remotely is completely changed. The scene's totally different. Uh, education is still one which is mostly uh, a teacher giving a lecture to all, giving a test to all, giving homeworks to all. It's um, uh, it's basically one size fit all kind of a approach, and that's understandable historically because. One could not afford, you know, a teacher for every student. But I think going forward, I think we want a teacher for every student because every student has different weaknesses, different um, uh, preferences, different hobbies. Some would be would score better if we cast the problems as a basketball or as dancing or something that uh, excite them. And also, if you can imagine a, an AI teacher companion that is watching over uh, each student, helping with them and, and making learning almost a gamification, a, a fun experiment. So a lot of the content can be taught by this personalized, targeted uh, AI companion teacher. Right. We think about targeting as a bad thing because, you know, Facebook targets us with things that makes us addicted or extreme in views. But if it's targeting 
us to help us learn, then it's aligned with our goals. So I think that is a huge power of AI that can make a one AI teacher per student kind of a future. And, and the human teachers don't disappear at all. You still need human teachers uh, to help with um, uh, things like encouragement, uh, personal connection, uh, cre- uh, understanding values, and learning creativity, and encouraging critical thinking, and teaching about communication and teamwork and EQ and all that. Then it becomes a much, um, a much better education, much more targeted and also personalized uh, maybe Stanley can talk about the, the story in which he talked about AI education. Yes, Stanley, go ahead. Yeah, I highly recommend uh, everyone who had interest in how AI could change the education industry should uh, read the story Twin Sparrow. is talking about two orphan boys who were adopted by two different families, which uh, both uh, use AI companion teacher in different way. So it's not only about customized algorithm for each student, but also, I mean, now we have this kind of online class like every day on Zoom, but it feels so isolated. So people might feel lonely when you uh, spending a lot of time on a platform, but actually you couldn't feel each other. But in, in our imagination with uh, MPL, natural language processing and XR technology like AR, VR, MR. So actually you can have this kind of realistic uh, presence of each other and it's not isolating each other, but to reconnect each other. So I hopefully when you finish the story, you'll feel the future of education is so hopeful and so warm and full of empathy and passionate of, of our like next generation future. Yeah, right. Um, another question from the, the audience. Um, this one from Fabio, I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. Um, so what is the impact of AI on poorer countries? How, how, do, how do we ensure that, that this is somewhat evenly distributed? Kaifu can go first. Sure. I think in the short term, there are already uh, efforts in place to make sure that big countries don't just come in and uh, take all the apps and make them used locally and take all the data away and extract money without giving anything back. So I think having some short-term laws and regulations to ensure that um, if your citizen's data is being used to monetize some big country's app, that you're properly compensated for it. And then that money can go back to the economy because really, really data is incredibly valuable and that near-term measure needs to be done. In the, in the longer term, I believe each country needs to develop its specialty. And, and as I describe in the book, it's really not just about AI. Uh, sometimes it's about uh, cultures that have special uh, characteristics. You know, some culture really value craftsmanship. Others really value uh, giving back. Others value service. Others value family. And I think globally speaking, AI will end up creating a lot of value, uh, a lot of economic value. And it's not just AI, but also uh, the advances in um, synthetic um, biology and energy and new materials. So things will become cheaper and better so that in the future, more and more people won't have to do routine jobs for a living. 
they can do what they 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 like, and and they can contribute positive energy, and also the ideas can help globally. So I, I think you know some countries might want to focus on、uh, tourism and and the exciting things about its、uh, civilization and the storytelling. So I think a lot of those will become possible. I think、uh, service industry will become huge. So you know, today people are using products, in, you know, branded, invented in the U.S., manufactured in China, which is why these two countries are a little bit,、uh, a, a lot more wealthier right now. But but I think in the future, what will be of the greatest value is not just the products, because products will become commoditized with all the things we describe in the book. And what will value the most is service and human touch service and、uh, things that have strong cultural elements. So I think those are possible directions as well, and of course, all that said, every country should make sure people who are、uh, strong in learning about、uh, technology and algorithms and AI should get to do so, so that the country、um, does not、uh, fall behind,、uh, because this is an incredibly important technology.、Uh, for you know, look, look at how much、um, industrial revolution has helped U.S.、Uh, become a leader in the globally. And and I think AI is another potential equalizer or unequalizer. So、uh, countries should really uh, value uh, maybe not AI for everyone, but for those who are interested and、uh, and, and skilled. You've said that the AI should be sort of a great equalizer, but also potentially not. So Tom is asking why we should trust AI scientists、mm-hmm. to develop these powerful technologies. And I'd like to add on to that. You know, why should we trust our Governments and, and regulators、um, to help get us to a more equal society, as they claim to want to do. Well, I'll take a shot, and then Stanley can can add to that.、Um, well, we should first make sure everyone's educated, so we can all become、uh, participants, watchdogs, and raise our opinion if the、uh, programmers and scientists and corporations and governments aren't doing their job. Hopefully, the book describes clearly that、uh, many of these、um, problems of AI are extra, actually externalities. They are not intentionally、uh, creating harm for the individuals, but they are done as a side effect. So, I think the key thing then is,、um, you know, AI scientists are bad people. Don't trust them. But it's rather、uh, make sure they're educated to understand. With greater power comes greater responsibility. So what must they do when they program an algorithm to make sure it doesn't have bias or、uh, unfairness or treat、uh, you know women or minorities unfairly, etc.?、Uh, so and also better tools should be developed. So even if a scientist is negligent, it catches it upfront.、Um, and, and also you know with、uh, large internet companies,、uh, some of what they do is perhaps、uh, just out of greed. Others are maybe.、Um, not, Not not well thought out, and some of it is just unintentional. So there needs to be watchdogs. I don't think we can abdicate our responsibility and say, "Hey, government, you fix the internet companies. You know, break them up and punish them and make them pay big fines." That doesn't solve the root of the problem. The root of the problem is that、uh, AI is so powerful, with its algorithms so powerful that large companies cannot resist using it to make money. Um, and unintentionally, and sometimes intentionally, at our expense. So I think the key issue is how to align the large companies' interest with ours. Yeah. So it sounds like you think that we collectively also have somewhat of a responsibility 
um, and role in driving where this sort of AI future can take us. So, Stanley, I have yes, a, a question. Yes. A question for you. This one is also from the audience, from Hannah. Um, what AI advancements that already exist do you think are stranger than fiction? Yeah, I think there are a few things actually make me think, like science fiction writers is kind of lack of imagination in reality. So, for example, like deep fake, there's something I don't think in previous science fiction had a lot of description on the thing, like how people using technology to transfer their their face, their voice, their movement to pretend one another. Meanwhile, it's not for good, but it's doing bad things, and how we can fight against those misbehaviors. So another thing is like、uh, right now, I think AI is more capable than human being on recognizing micro expression, even detecting all these small infractions in your voice, in your tongue, and they can foresee what your mental status is and what kind of reaction and response you might gonna make. So I think fundamentally we will learn a lot from AI because it's a mirror. It's like human beings, but it can reveal so many hidden structure and hidden knowledge from this huge amount of data, which a human being as as a collective group couldn't really interpret、uh, deeply enough. But AI can. So moving on to something where AI probably. Does have、um, a big impact.、Um, another audience question, this time from Jen. In the next twenty years, will some aspects of industry be fully replaced by AI,、um, and will AI cause unemployment? It's so easy to be replaced by、uh, machines. In another story called "The Job Savior," and it actually set in California. Uh, San Francisco is talking about how people should be take, taken care of when there's mass scale of、uh, structuralized unemployment happen, and along with the development of AI technology, like in, invaded into different、uh, industries. So our thought is like、uh, besides. Uh, basic income—that's one solution. But I think work is much more than making money. It's about dignity. It's about self-actualization. It's about how you finding your position in the family and among others in the society. So we have this kind of idea. We should use and leverage AI technology to do the job allocation. If we Can live up to one hundred and fifty. So, it's no way that you only do one or two or three jobs, right? So, I think AI sh- should totally work to help people to retrain and reallocate in a new job, and to f- help them to find their own value in this、uh, highly uncertainty、uh, dynamic change of、uh, job change. This question comes from a bunch of people.、Um, 
What scares you most about AI and the future? I think the most scary thing about AI is it it can be an amplifier to blow up all the negativities in humanity. So maybe you you've heard from the news like uh, there's a chatbot on Twitter. Uh, from Microsoft, and it learned all the cursing, and bias, and discrimination during the interaction and conversation with the trolls. So I think that's something really scares me because during this kind of feedback loop, it might trigger even more, like darker side of human beings. Right now, we are have this kind of extremist. On the internet, on the social medias, but whether we understand if they're talking with the chatbot or not, so maybe some terrorists were using this way to trigger some extreme emotions and protesting、uh, virtually. So I think that something scares me in the future. What excites you most about AI? So Kaifu, you first, and then Stanley. Well, I've already talked a bit about、um, getting AI aligned with our interests. In some sense, it's、uh, addressing Stanley's concern that、um, AI would target each person and make us think things that are against our interests. But but let's suppose for the moment that we can、uh, somehow get at least a set of people to program AI in a way that aligns itself with our future interests. I think that's something. Um, that's incredibly exciting.、Um, you know, Tristan Harris talks about it. None of us know how to do it. It's perhaps a new app ecosystem. Maybe it's a new device. We're all willing to pay money for things that enrich us, things that make us happier, more knowledgeable. So, if only we can figure out how to incentivize people to build that app and get monetized for it, and and you got to align the economic interests、um, to make that happen. That's probably the、uh, one very important thing that excites me. The other thing I would mention is that、uh, everything is double-edged sword. We talk about job displacement, routine work being done by AI, but I would ask that at the end of the day, right? In twenty years, let's say all the routine jobs are, or ninety percent of the routine jobs are displaced by AI. Does that put us in a better or worse place? Right? Assume we help people transition. From routine jobs to better jobs, and we educate our prosperity in a responsible, constructive way,、um, so that people are pursuing their interests and their talents and not repeating what's routine. Then we will have done something that is phenomenal for mankind, namely that、uh, we will have liberated humanity from ever having to do routine work, so that we can do things that we were really put on this earth to do. So that's probably the number one thing that excites me. But but the road to get there is、uh, treacherous and dangerous and、uh, full of potholes. Stanley, what excites you? I think it might、uh, totally change the way we do the scientific research. For example, now we're using AlphaFold to predict the protein structure, and we're using computer vision to dig out the the、uh, connectome of human brain. So I think there's a lot of things ahead of us, a way for、uh, AI to help human beings to understand more about the 
fundamental mechanism of ourself and the world. So I think that's that is a paradigm shift in the future. So with the help of AI, I think we're gonna fix a lot of unsolvable problem, including、uh, climate changes. So I think that's very、uh, not positive future ahead of us. But I think we should hold on to that. Positive imagination, because we try to create the future. We should start from imagining one. Well, I think positivity is a great way and a great place to end. So we're is going to hopefully liberate、um, humanity、um, from drudgery and free us to do the things that we were put on the earth to do. And it is going to hopefully help solve things like climate change for us. I think that pretty much wraps up our time for today. So thank you both so much for joining us.、Um, we really appreciate it, and thank you, Kaifu and Stan. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites, or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.